Thank you, Jenny. <clears throat> yeah, we can all say that, that God is real to us. And I like that portion of the hymn. It says, once you see and believe, nothing in this world can make us disbelieve. Once you've seen the Lord and once you've trusted in him, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. All right, I got my bearings here. You see that big clock right in the middle. You know, once again, it, I can't say how thankful I am to be presenting another message from the Word of God to all of you. It's been an amazing time of prayer, meditation, preparation, and listening to God's Word. I've been blessed by all the encouragement that I received from the last time I was in front of all of you. It's been heartfelt and inspired me to dig deeper into the scriptures. It's been my continuing prayer that if given another opportunity to speak, that the Lord would be the speaker. I've been praying that the Lord would guide me to the topic and prepare me to present a message accurately and with love. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It is my prayer that God will open up to us a door for the word, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. The title of the message today is The Good Shepherd Behind the Door. I'd like to start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for what we have in you. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your direction, your guidance. And Lord, I just pray that as we look into your precious word, that it is you who speaks. And give us a message that we all need to hear to grow us closer to you. I pray in your precious name. Amen. I was kind of, uh, I was very thankful when I came in this morning to the first service. The hymn was being read was, or sung was, To God Be the Glory. And I thought, Lord, thank you. That was a little reassurance that I'm in line with you. And that hymn, in my preparation, gave me a word, and it's life gate. And we're going to talk about that. Fanny Crosby wrote, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. The word life gate has been ringing in my heart during this whole preparation period, and it's led me to the topic of today's message. Eternal life in heaven, an abundantly filled life here on earth, has an accessible opening that God gives us to go in. We should be very thankful for the doors of opportunity that God gives to us. So in the, in, the, in the beginning here, let's turn in John chapter 10. That's going to be our main text. 
And then also find Ezekiel chapter 34, and we'll be coming back to that shortly. And while we're turning to that, I'd like to share a story. In my early years as a, as with Jesus, I bought a painting. Actually, it's three paintings in one frame. And it's reflecting Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. I remember the first time I saw that painting, it struck me how our, Kathy and our girls were little at that time, and it kind of reminded me of them. But it also points out to the great opportunity that we have with our relationship with God. He wants us to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. We're not the only one who asks, seeks, and knocks. God asks, seeks, and knocks on the doors of our heart. The three paintings are matted in one frame. One of the paintings is of a little boy giving flowers to a little girl, and that's representing asking and receiving. The painting representing seeking is of three children looking inside of a window of a small cottage. And the painting reflecting knocking is entitled The Visitor. And it's a child, a little girl, who's at a, a door to a cottage and she's reaching up to grab the door knocker and it's just a little bit too far away from her, but she's trying to knock on that door. This verse has an invitation to the Christian to be able to obtain the wisdom and power God is willing to give. It's been heard by those who know Jesus Christ and by those who don't. This is a favorite of the people who want and want and want, and many times the wrong things for the wrong reasons. I cannot remember all the times that I have taken this verse out of context and used it incorrectly. Verse 7 and 8 might seem like a blank check for everything that we want. God is willing to give to us and provide for our needs, to forgive our sins, to save our souls, to befriend us in trial, to comfort us in death to extend the gospel to the whole world, we cannot ask of anything higher that he is willing to give, grant to us. The promise from God that when we pray, God answers our prayers, what we ask for, or better. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is wait or no. This may be the better answer in the eyes of God. His denial may be better than our requests. We, need to, we must yield to the answers that he gives to our prayers. The last time Dean spoke to us, he covered the word seek. This week, I would like to take the word knock. Knock is typically what is done at a door or a gate to announce that someone is there and would like to enter in. The door allows the person to enter into the area which has walls 
fences, or some type of a barrier. The door is the way to enter in, just as we did when we came into this building. If the door is locked, a key must be provided so we can unlock the door, or we can knock to announce that our presence is there and we would like to enter in. Sometimes we need help to enter through the door. I share the tremendous privilege with my son-in-law, Rick, of being the doorkeeper each Sunday for all of you to greet you and to hold the door open so you can enter in to the church. It's my joy to help someone, maybe in the rain or if their hands are full, and to guide them in. Is there any better place to be than worshiping our Savior? Doors have a very important role in our lives and in the Word of God. And it's an amazing. The word door occurs 249 times in the scriptures. And it has a sibling word gate that appears 248 times. There are a number of words that go along with door and gate. We think of door frame and doorkeeper, door opening, door pillars, doorposts, gatekeepers, gateposts. It goes on and on. The subject is quite vast, but we're going to scratch the surface. And as we look at John chapter 10, I'd like to uh, briefly talk about John chapter 9 as it, as it runs into John chapter 10. John chapter 9 is the account of Jesus, how he healed the man who was born blind. He healed the man who was born blind. And that didn't set well with the Pharisees. The Pharisees questioned his authority. Jesus states, stated that he was the son of God. Jesus used two lowly things to heal the man's sight dirt, and spit. And it symbolizes what Jesus sees in us. Not the dirty, disgusting sinners that we are, but he sees vessels that he can use for great things. The man who was healed from his blindness was brought to the Pharisees, and they were trying to get him to change his story. But the man said, Jesus healed me but they were trying to get a different story. They interviewed him a couple of times. They tried to interview his parents, and they were getting nowhere. They stuck firm. He stuck firm. Jesus the one who healed me. Well, the Pharisees were offended by this. They, they were threatened by Jesus and were trying to discredit him. The Pharisees eventually kicked this former blind man out of the temple and out of the Jewish religion, but it did him a favor because later he came to know who Jesus really was. So John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, 
but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might, may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Reminder of the title, The Good Shepherd Behind the Door. As in the sports world, when discussing strategy, the coaches use, term, use a term called breaking down the game. They look back on, on past games and they plan strategy for the next game, for future games. Well, I'd like to break down John chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. And it starts out as truly, truly, or verily, verily, or I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in a parable. And what he is saying is very important. And he wants them to hear. The Pharisees just got done casting out the former blind man. They were trying to discredit Jesus as an imposter or a deceiver. They were trying themselves to set up themselves as shepherds of the flock. Verse 1 continues, who, who does not enter by the door into the fold? Some versions use sheepfold or sheep pen. And a sheepfold is an area out in the pasture that, is, that has a fence around it. And what it's used for is safety for the sheep. As they come in from the pasture at night, they're put into the pen. They're put into the sheepfold. And they're there for a reason. They're there to be protected at night from robbers or wolves or anything evil that lurks in the darkness. But the shepherd is there at the door. Jesus refers to his people as a flock. Verse 1 continues, but climbs up some other way. The Pharisees used other ways to come, to try to come into uh, Jewish leadership. They did not arrive the way the Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would come. These men were not the true shepherds. Jesus refers to them as, th as thieves and robbers. The Pharisees were thieves and robbers. Thieves are those who steal silently, and robbers are those who use force. These leaders were not for the people. They persecuted those who would follow Jesus. Thieves, Matthew 23, 13 says, but alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock the door of the kingdom of heaven against men, you yourselves do not enter, nor do you allow those who enter who are seeking to do so. They are blocking the path, not just for themselves, but for others to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Luke eleven fifty two. They have taken away the key of knowledge and thus prevented from entering in. They had taken away the correct thinking concerning the Messiah. 
They were forcing their traditions and their opinions upon the people. In my profession as a building inspector, it's my responsibility to make sure that houses and buildings are built safe. One of the items that I look for is on an outside door, you have the doorknob and a deadbolt. Now on the inside, there should be on the deadbolt a handle that closes and opens the deadbolt lock. It's against the building code and the fire code to use a key instead of the handle. Reason is, is if that key gets lost and the deadbolt is locked, or if the key gets broken off in panic, if the house is on fire and that's the only way out, the outcome is horrific. Just like in Luke chapter 11, verse 52. They had taken away the key of knowledge and thus prevented them from entering in. Verse 2. But he who enters the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. He was not self-appointed, and he came in obedience to the will of his Father. I'd like to read Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34 talks about the false shepherds and the true shepherds, and the true shepherd. In verse 1 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The, the scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. Well, let's read about the true shepherd. Let's go to verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountaintops of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There, will, there they will lie down in a good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but for the fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. I'd say the true shepherd is the way to go. There are many false shepherds, but there is only one true shepherd. The false shepherd take from and do not support their people. 
They're out for their own interests. The true shepherd seeks the lost, cares for the sick, gathers the scattered, feeds his chilled people in good pastures, strengthens the broken, and heals the sick. Now back to John chapter 10, verse 3. The doorkeeper, some versions use a gatekeeper or watchman or even a porter. And it's the one who allows the true shepherd to enter in. The Holy Spirit comes, opens the way into the sheep's hearts to allow God to enter in. Verse 3 continues, and the sheep hear his voice. We must be able to recognize the voice of our true shepherd. And to be able to do this, we first must be born again. Once we're born again, we become sensitive to God's voice and are able to hear what he is hearing, what he is saying. This term is often mocked in the world. It's made clear in the scriptures that one must be born again. John 3, verse 7, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The people of God are able to listen to the instructions of those appointed by Christ, who preach his doctrines and who show real love to the church of God. And he calls his own sheep by name. The shepherd seeks to have an intimate and personal relationship with his people, to gain an interest in them as an individual and not just as a group. He's concerned about their private needs. He will see us through our trials. He will minister to us personally. The true shepherd knows the name of his sheep. And he leads them out. The Lord leads the sheep out of bondage of the law and into the, and into the freedom of God's amazing grace. The true leaders have willing followers. True leaders lead. They are appointed by God. If they are self-appointed, they're unable to lead. There is no true desire to follow a false shepherd. And verse 4 says, when he puts forth all his own, he gathers and leads them out of the fold and into the pastures. And he goes ahead of them. He leads them and guides them and does not leave them alone. A shepherd spends his time with his flock. He goes ahead of them to seek out the best pastures, watering, or feeding places, and defends them from danger. This represents the beautiful example of the tender care of him who watches out for our souls. He is our leader and our guide. He should always be in front, leading our lives. Verse 4 continues, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. There was a game show, and I'm probably going to date myself, called Let's Make a Deal. And it's I think it's making a comeback. But the Let's Make a Deal is a game show, and it requires you to dress up in, in costumes. And the host picks you out of the audience, and he says, what would you like under this box? Either this box or this box. Pick one. Well, you can make a choice. Well, it could be some dishes or a microwave or something. 
It says, would you like to trade this prize for what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three? What was the assistant's name? Carol Merrill. I don't know why, but <laughs> Peter Marshall and Carol Merrill. So Carol Merrill would be standing over by the three doors, and you're thinking, wow, it could be a car, or it could be furniture, or it could be appliances. But the thing about the, the game show is that it, it could also be a dud. It could be a mule. Or it could be a lifetime supply of tuna fish or something. But the thing is, is that you had no way of knowing what's behind those doors. You had no way of knowing what's behind the curtains. And you're going to risk your new microwave for the possibility of a new car and end up with an old mule. Jesus knows what's on the other side of the doors of opportunities in our lives. He goes ahead of us, and he knows the places that we're going. We need to avoid trying to open the doors ourselves. If the Lord opens the doors for us, we can fully trust in him that he knows what is best for us. On the other hand, if we open doors by ourselves, then we're not sure, we cannot be sure that we're in the will of God. John 5.24 in the New Living Translation. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. The promises of the true shepherd. Verse 5, a stranger they simply will not follow. Jesus is showing that the true shepherd of the people of God will not follow false teachers. Those who are proud and haughty and self-seeking as the Pharisees. Humble and devoted Christians should follow those with a mild and self-denying spirit. Our pastors are representatives. They have an influence in our lives that no stranger can have. A church learns to put their confidence in their leaders. They know what the people need, and they watch out and protect us from danger. Verse 5 says, But flee from him, because they do not know the voice of the strangers. The same instinct that draws us to the true shepherd should draw us away from the false shepherds. Verse 6 this figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus was using plain and easy words. The Pharisees still could not understand. They could not hear the story because they were not sheep of the true shepherd. Matthew 13, 13. Therefore I speak to, speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, and they do not understand. The Pharisees did not understand these illustrations. Verse 7, so Jesus tries again. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He is now representing himself as the door. This is the Lord giving us an opportunity 
to come to him. Heaven has doors. Revelation 19.11, And I saw the door of heaven open, and behold, a, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Verse 8, all who come before me. He's talking about the false teachers, not the prophets. He's talking about those who are pretending to be leaders. And once again, he calls them thieves and robbers in verse 8 as it continues. But we should not listen to the false teachers or the false shepherds. But verse 9 we're bringing it home here. I am the door. Christ is the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. The invitation is for anyone. To be saved, a person must enter through Jesus Christ. Without entering in, there is no salvation. He must receive Christ by faith. Those who enter in are saved from the penalty, the power, and eventually the presence of sin. Can you imagine that being away from the presence of sin? We see it every day. Every day, the presence of sin. But eventually when the Lord takes us home, sin will be no more. Amen. I will go in and out. The thought here is that the people will go out of the fold, out of the fold and out of the pasture and out into this world to witness for him. We're called to witness for the Lord. This is safe in here. We're safe in these walls. But when we go out into this world, dangers lurk. But he's still there with us. He's still there with us and find pasture. Christ is not only the savior and the giver of freedom, he abundantly gives us everything we need for a full and rewarding life. Amen. What is a pasture? We as sheep find pasture in his presence, present, precious word. We have the uh, opportunity every time we come to church to drive through Crow Canyon Road. And Crow Canyon Road's a rural area. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. But there's pastures on each side. And, and you see animals. You see horses and, and cows and sometimes goats. And I don't see them running and scurrying all over the place. I see them kind of meandering around, eating, sleeping, doing what cows do. And, Horses, they just are eating and content. They're content in the pasture. Well, a couple weeks ago, I'm sure you heard, there was a cow who wasn't quite content. And there was a hole in the fence of the pasture, and the cow found it. Well, he ended up going out into a ditch. And think about what the cow was thinking. Oops. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Amen. 
Well, he was there for a couple of days as people were trying to figure out how to get the cow out of this ditch. But fortunately, he was in the ditch and did not go onto the road. But how many times have we said, oops, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I opened a door that I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have ran it by the doorkeeper. But the cow got out and he got back into the pasture because the shepherd or the owner was concerned about that one cow. I'm going to do what it takes. They had to get, I think it was like a tow truck and a harness, and they had to literally lift him out and put him back in the pasture. The owner wanted that cow back in the pasture. The thief comes to steal and destroy. But in verse 10, it says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that, that men, people, may have an abundant life. Abundant life of grace, peace, love, life, and salvation. Abundantly. I know we know the definition, but I'd like to add to it. Abundance is above and beyond our comprehension. Amen. Above and beyond what we think we should have, God gives it to us. Abundant. Verse 11, I am the, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd will do whatever is necessary to defend and take care of his flock. Christ is the good, great, and chief shepherd, which was appointed by his father and called and sent to care for his sheep. He is a committed shepherd to feed our, his people to even die for them. He is the good shepherd that provides a good pasture, a good fold for us, for his sheep to sleep in, protecting them from our, enemy, from our enemies, heals our diseases, restores our souls when we stray, watches out over them, and searches for them when we stray. He seeks him. The good shepherd gives us his life for the sake of his flock. He gives it away freely and voluntarily paid the ransom so we will be delivered from death and have eternal life. The conclusion leaves us with some questions we need to ask. What doors are in front of us to knock at? Are we listening to God knocking on the doors of our hearts? Are we going ahead of the Lord, who is willing to guide us each day? Are we trying to open the doors ourselves? We can ask God to help us with those answers. Hopefully this message will help us be sensitive to the doors that God puts before us in our day-to-day -day lives. The Good Shepherd is waiting on the other side. Hopefully we can hear his voice and hear that knock and answer it. Because he's not going away. He's knocking on that door. There's times in our homes when you'll sense someone coming up trying to sell, sell us something. And you can see him coming up the walkway. 
And you go to the back of the house and they knock and they knock and they knock. And then they knock again and you just say, Lord, please let them go away. I don't want to deal with it. I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. The true shepherd's persistent. He wants you to open that door. And you can hear him. When he's knocking, he can say, who is it? It's me. I'm waiting for you. That just lets down our guard when we recognize that voice of who's on the other side of that door. Do not ignore him. Open the door of your heart to Jesus Christ, and he will come in. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful once again to be here, for you speaking to us. Lord, we pray that we're sensitive to the doors that you provide in our lives. We pray that we will not take, open these doors without going through you first. We pray that we will open the doors that you want us to open and keep the doors closed that you want us to keep closed. Lord, we pray for your guidance in our lives. As we, as we heard moment by moment, we're kept in your love. Lord, we pray as we go out into this world, out from the fold and out into the pasture land, we pray for your protection and we pray that we will be good ambassadors for you. Lord, I just thank you for this privilege once again and this opportunity. I just pray that you just continue to bless our day. It's in your name we pray. Amen.